Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome to Radio Islam. I'm your host, Tariq El Amin, and you can keep up with us on social media by liking and following our pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You'll find us at Radio Islam USA, and you'll use that same username to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get yours at. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Spotify, uh, just about any platform you can think of. You'll find us at Radio Islam USA, so subscribe, rate, review, and most importantly, do not forget to share. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Recycle Processes, and also we thank CIOGC for their continued support. That is the Council of Islamic Organizations of Greater Chicagoland, and you can get more info about them and the great work they do at CIOGC.org. All right, Radio Islam family, you are in for a treat. We are checking in with the tremendously busy, uh, always working, Leila Abdullah-Pulos. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. How are you doing? I'm good, alhamdulillah. I want to tell you a bit about Layla when I say that, you know, she is a tremendously busy sister. And I'm not even going to give you everything. I'm just going to tell you a little bit, right? First off, most importantly, uh, she is a phenomenal writer. Uh, she is the author of Strange Love, Bitter Fruit. I had the pleasure of reading the first book, um, My Way to You, the first book in the Brothers in Law series, and Strange Love, Bitter Fruit. It is available now. It's the second book in that series, and it's available. You can check it out on Amazon. I would highly recommend it. Uh, but she also writes for About Islam, Halt Hijab, and NBA Muslims, of which she is also the founder. And um, it's always great to check in with her. She has been Radio Islam's culture contributor for the past, what, it's like a year and a half now or something like yeah, that? Yeah, we're pushing two years, brother. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> so a check-in with... Sister Layla Abdullah Pulos, it is going to get you up to date, right? You, you'll find out, especially if you're a person who does not have the, um, you feel like you don't have the bandwidth or the time to to mm -hmm. sift through all the stories that are impacting uh, Muslim life here in America. Uh, and I would also like to say, in particular, African-American Muslim life. Yeah. So you got some stuff for us today. Yeah, there's always, unfortunately, there always is some stuff. I I like to go light if I can, but unfortunately, this past week alone, things have not been light. Uh, I, as someone that is that has multiple social intersections, I often find that there is always something, yeah. okay? And in this week, it's like all three things. You know, uh, something insensitive said about African-Americans, about black women, about Muslims and on and on. It's just like, there's always something. Yeah. Interestingly enough though, the one thing that I did notice about what we're gonna cover today is the fact that everything is coming from people of color and black people, mm -hmm. you know, which kind of shows that, you know, we, we want to, we would all like to think that we are not indoctrinated into the white supremacist structure and the social messaging and the stereotypes that come with it. Mm -hmm. But we definitely are. And so these, these things kind of show that, you know, we have to actively know that we've received this messaging and it, and not to implement it. And when we do implement it to apologize correctly with grace and style. Yeah. Yeah. So first up um, on the apology train, we'll mention Bart. Uh, Bart, for many folks, they know that this is the, uh, uh, this is Fruitvale Station. That's what you, you know. Most folks will think about. Um, there was a a video of a brother who got um, who was approached by 
BART officers and was arrested. And then, you know, how video surfaced and then folks want to give their two cents on them. There's this group of, are they all Asian or, um, or just like? I'm not sure. But usually when I see it, it's a YouTube group and uh, they do reaction videos. Yeah. And so that was basically what was happening here. So we're going to take a listen to their conversation, the comments that they made about it. It's really short. Which is deserved it, dude. I think he just deserved it because, dude, he's being super disrespectful. It's like you don't have to act like that toward a police officer. Like a police officer is a police officer. You should still show some type of respect. Mm -hmm. Know your rights, but show some type of respect. Yeah, but that's going to a touchy area because um, I think culturally we don't understand what the black community goes through. So they uh, respond way different to officers than we do. They're tired of it. So, um, the the young woman that said that he deserved it, he should have shown the officer some respect, which is actually used quite a bit to justify brutality against blacks, is Amber Liu. Okay, she's a son, a, a rapper, an entertainer, and she's on um this YouTube uh, channel, Just Kidding News, and so she's responding to the police the interaction between the police officer and the black man and her whole thing is that he was disrespectful he wasn't disrespectful okay but that is just definitely cold she definitely kind of pulled in some language from white supremacist messaging that whenever someone with a badge approaches a black person that they automatically have to dampen down or tamp down their humanity and their autonomy so because this person had a badge, you're not, they, they do not have to justify to you why they're approaching you. It's that whole stand and deliver, you know, that uh, black people used to have to go through in the South. You know, you had to prove what, what are you doing here? And uh, on this road, does your master know that you're here and that type of thing. So right. she definitely drew, drew from that. And she's not, she's not African-American, she's not black. She's Asian-American. But she's a rapper. So and she's a rapper. She's an Asian American rapper. And but she's talking, she she's making this decision using this code, this language uh, about an inter about this interaction. Now the interesting thing is that the person that says, Well, you know, we don't know how black how black the, the way black people have had to deal with this was also Asian. There's a group of young Asian people. And so he just kind of pushed back on that, which I found refreshing. Yeah, yeah, same here. You know, and knowing that, you know, that there are some that, that realize that, you know, when you're outside of a culture, you really can't tell people in that culture how, they, how they're going to deal with the oppression. And we know there's, there's no denying the fact that law enforcement is an oppressive tool on black bodies and especially on African-American bodies. There's a long history of it. So for somebody from outside of that culture to just kind of, be dismissive and use the white supremacist language is just really hard hitting. And it, can, it doesn't have to be a white person that does it. It can be some, it can be a person of color. It could be a black person. You know I what, mean, was, mm-hmm. you know what I, I, I see in this? I also see um, there, there, there's an interesting uh, kind of a, a dichotomy going on. Uh, one is an immersion in uh, a, a culture or well, not just an immersion, but you are benefiting from the existence of, uh, of a culture, hip hop culture, 
um, yeah. you know, as a rapper, uh, an art form that has come out of, uh, um, you know, out of uh, African American and, and and also the uh, the, the Puerto Rican, right? Um, yeah, Latinos. Uh, yeah, the Latino yeah. community. Yeah. Um, but so, but you at the same time you also situate yourself on the other side, right? So it's just about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just about benefiting from the culture, but not really having any type of real uh, appreciation for the, uh, the 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 pain or the experience. Because it's not all yeah. pain, right? But just uh, for the experience of the, the the people that produced it, right? So, yeah. um, I, I think that's a really interesting space for to be in because nobody wants to be on the wrong side of. Um, I don't want to say public opinion, right? But the majority opinion in America, at least the one we try to, you know, uh, promote, is, you know, it's a respect for law enforcement. It's, mm-hmm. um, you know, police are heroes, right? And, and many of them, many of them are, right? We'd like to yes. think that most mm-hmm. serve with, um, you know, with, with with dignity and honor and you know and, and pride and all that good stuff. Uh, but what she's talking about. She mm-hmm. sounds like she's on a loop, you know, herself. Mm-hmm. She's just kind of like running down the talking points. Well, we can all be on that loop. That's the thing, because we all receive this messaging. It's pervasive in the society. It's I use the word indoctrination a lot because from the time that we're con- we can cognate things, there is subtle and there's overt messaging yeah. when it comes to different races and ethnicities, the dominant white culture, and we absorb that. We absorb that through popular culture. We absorb that through school textbooks. Mm-hmm. You know, it's everywhere. And so it's not surprising that someone that is not a part of the culture would say it. It wouldn't be surprising for me if someone that was in the culture, if an African-American would say that, because that just means that they have they have not purged themselves of that messaging. Or they just slipped up and ended up, oh, you know what, guess what? This This is embedded in me. Uh, this is like a, a, a this is part of my my social training and so i ended up using it you know that's why you get people like kanye saying slavery was a choice yeah it's not something that is just exclusive to whites if it was then the system wouldn't work very well and the system works very very well and as far as rap culture i mean african american culture is the most copied culture <laughs> in, in American society. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But globally, absolutely. I mean, yep. Yep. there is a huge, huge uh, uh, embrace of African-American hip hop culture uh, in, in Asia. Okay. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you look at the K-pop artists from coming out from Korea, all right. They very, you know, they, some of them are even purposefully kinking up their hair so they look like the basketball players and everything like that and in the meantime there's this duality though because you like the culture but that doesn't mean that you like the people because the systems of oppression have trained you not to like the people they fed you stereotypes okay they these stereotypes they span the globe they go into asia they go into africa okay and they go into europe they go into south america which has its own issues with race but it's like you don't necessarily mean that you like the people. And especially if you've been brought up in isolated enclaves in American society where you don't have much interaction with the people and you're, and you're still being fed those stereotypes and you embrace and you hold on to those stereotypes. 
And you can even hold on to those stereotypes even if you do interact with some of the people. You can marry a black person. You can marry an African-American and still not like African-Americans. Mm-hmm. Still think African-Americans are lazy. Still think African-American women are masculine and all of that. Still think that African-Americans somehow, because they've decided to exist somewhere on a train platform, okay, right. on the streets, okay, um, sleeping in the building where they live, that somehow they still deserve the treatment that they got because they're African-American, because they're black. So one of the things that an, an outsider to a uh, to an experience, right, to a culture, somebody not embedded in it, didn't grow up uh, in it and doesn't have those experiences, would say, you know, if they're thinking, approaching, approaching things correctly is, how would I respond if, I was the victim of or the recipient of these countless microaggressions and overt aggressions. How would I respond to something like like this, right? I mean, because it's a sandwich. It's a small thing, but it's these small things that eventually at some point, right, maybe push you over the line. Well, there are two things here. First of all, how would I respond? It definitely comes into play it's just a human thing and and the fact of the matter is is that that doesn't matter because we're not talking about someone from your cultural background that's encountering this like you said the white man said if that was me then when even went down like that he knew he had he knew he understood that this is the way this is the way it goes down for somebody that is unfortunate enough to think that they can just live their life in this country with black skin and nothing is going to happen. You know, we all know that that's not true. Okay. Mm-hmm. We've all, we all encounter it. You know, if, if we haven't, that's because we've been lucky enough to be, been uh, insulated by it from it for some reason, but the majority of blacks, no, definitely. Now the problem is like, this is not an African-American person. So not only is it the, how would I respond, but just knowing, I'm not African-American. And this was an African-American person. This is a black person. This is someone with black skin, with, with black skin who, who, had, who had African-American features. And so it's obvious that the police were, were, were hassling him. And so it doesn't matter how I would respond. The thing is, what's going on? What's going down? So, so when we do that, how would I respond thing? Then it's just like, I would just tell the police, I would just throw it out. I would just do this. I would just do that. Okay. But you know, guess what? You're not the, you're not the person that's subject to this type of thing constantly and all the time. And even if you did keep on eating, who's saying that, you know, that anything would happen to you, maybe something wouldn't happen to you. It's just not the same experience. So it's just like, you know, Asians cannot sit around and, 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 uh, analyze a situation, interaction between law enforcement and someone with, with dark skin, with black skin, because it's been so problematic for so very long. And it was interesting because one in her apology, one of the things she said she's been out of the country for 10 years. And I kind of scrolled down and looked at the comment section. First of all, there were a lot of Asians that were uh, Asian Americans or Asians. Yeah. They weren't buying it. So it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> They were like, are you for real? 10 years? So what? You've been at it for 10 years. This is something that we've been, people have been knowing that African-Americans have gone through 
for centuries. <laughs> right. But but isn't that isn't that a part of the the the, the dialogue, the denial that we are in a post racial America? I mean, and there are some people that are trying to push that. I mean, that's why yeah. um, some black people trying to push. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's some black folks that, that are trying to there's push a it. Black, there's a black Muslim imams trying to push that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like right now, African American Muslim imams yeah. trying to purposely conflate piety with not without that was not was not resisting mm -hmm. racial microaggressions but i have my own ideas of why they're doing that well you know as you mentioned man we're gonna we're gonna get into uh, we, we got another case to to bring up because <laughs> yeah it's, it's not just about the the comments that amber liu made uh mm -hmm. and also i mean because i don't want to remove from uh from consideration of the fact that there was somebody else there in that setting that pushed back and told her, you yes. know, pump we your brakes, right? So, and she apologized. Yeah, that's and right. That's what I'm going to get to, she that apologized. she actually apologized. The first part of her apology was really good. The second part, I kind of knew was going to happen because unless you know how to, be, to effectively apologize when it comes to these 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 instances of racial insensitivity, you're going, just like you she, she utilized the messaging, yeah. she utilized the same uh, apology approach. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's like a playbook, mm -hmm. almost. And so I kind of expected that she's young. And um, just by the virtue of what she said, you wouldn't really expect her to really know how to effectively apologize and so she just really has to learn that in order to become a more a, a better ally when people that, that's, that's what she wants to be yeah but when people do these 180s mm -hmm. an hour later what does that really say does it say that you have been living in a hole that you know that somehow the the, the hour that transpired between the time you said whatever you said and the time you issued your apology has been a transformative experience for you, or is it, uh, or, or are you realizing that you got to exist in this world, especially if you're somebody, <laughs> you know, that depends on uh, social media, uh, your public image. You know, it's yeah. not like you, Jack the mechanic, right? Yeah. Um, how much of this is self-preservation, and how much of this is genuine? transformation and i have to say that i thought the apology was worded sincerely mm -hmm. but i mean what, what do you say to that well you have no choice but to do that that that's the thing and um i mean it, and, and it happened it happened earlier like last week with an african diaspora entertainer um saying that, you know people went into her twitter and found out she was saying some 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 hateful stuff or she was hating on African Americans. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's just like, if you hate on African Americans. And so she had to turn around, she had to apologize because that was part of her base. Um Who's with this? this entertainer. Oh God, I forget her name. And it the, she was one of the uh she had something to do with the Harriet movie. Okay. Oh, really? I, have to, I would have to go back and I have to go back because I kinda like left that yeah. at the wayside okay. because you know, um the black Muslim, black Muslim Twitter kind of went in on that. So <laughs> I sat back. I was like, okay, they got it. I was, 
And so, uh, so it does happen. Was like you have to appeal to your base, and when your base finds the problem. Now, one of the things about you know they 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 done a cancel party for her on Twitter. Oh, you really? know, they for yeah Amber? they have a cancel party for her on Twitter, and it's it, and a lot of the posts are coming from Asians, Asian Americans, which I think kind of shows that you know, looks like reality check. There has been with black with the advent of black lives matter there has been a lot of coalition building yeah. between african americans african diaspora asian asian americans and so it's like let's, these people have been learning you know some of them have been learning about the experience and more and more about the experience and 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 and, and vice versa and so it's just like no you can't say stuff like this you know we're going to check you which mm. i think is great because it's like one of the issues that I always see is that people aren't re- really ready to check their own people. So it's just like Asians aren't really ready to check other Asian, <laughs> other Asians. African diaspora aren't really ready to check African diaspora when they say something. African Americans aren't really ready to check African Americans when they say something. So right. the, it was like kind of nice to ch- to see in the comments like they were they were checking on artists. Like one of the things she said, "I haven't been here for ten years, really." That's no excuse, you know, <laughs> that type of thing. They're the ones that are saying to her, listen, this was wrong. Wrong, 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 right. wrong. <laughs> right. I mean, what what does 10 years mean? I have no idea. Mean. I mean, what, what we're supposed to have missed in that time. Yeah. Um, I think that people change and they grow. And this is a young person. And she has the opportunity to learn that she made a mistake. Yeah. And I, and I think her apology was a lot better than some of the apologies that African Americans have gotten. Yeah. <laughs> okay, over the uh, over the years, so uh, it could have used improvement. But you know, I'm still a little offended. So, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I, I'm I I appreciate the apology. Yeah. Um, and I and I bring those questions up about you know how much of it is a a genuine awakening or realization, and how much of it is about self-preservation uh yeah. just to take into just just to think about right but i don't uh it is the appropriate thing to do right i mean you're in a public space and you mess up uh yeah. and then you should you should apologize and i do feel like there was some sincerity to it and i think she tried to hit all of the the key points i support yeah. black lives matter I'm, yeah that that part you know, i was just like dude yeah. you didn't need to <laughs> <laughs> I know the but Negro National Anthem. But she didn't say anthem. if I offended anyone. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? That is critical. That's critical. That's a big deal. <laughs> I wanted to bring up, you mentioned about Harriet, uh, the movie. Um, so Harriet Tubman, the movie. So the actress who played her, Cynthia uh, Erivo, mm-hmm. um, she is a British Nigerian mm-hmm. um, uh actress and yep. about six years ago snatching up that's who hollywood is snatching up <laughs> yeah yeah we right african-americans we don't it's want to crazy uh what's my man name's daniel kalua I yeah think. And, and also uh uh what's the name from black panther that's what Isn't i'm talking about British? yeah yeah daniel i think his name is daniel is his name daniel? i can't remember anymore yeah i can't but, remember anymore. i mean i i thought he was american yeah. Yeah. he had a good accent he sure does but this, but this sister, uh, she got a lot of pushback because she has a history of mocking the quote-unquote ghetto accent. Yeah. And, you know, folks, 
know, folks did not take kindly to that. And they shouldn't. And yeah. they shouldn't. Well, first of all, it's just like what happens when you're talking about language and the semiotician is going to come out in me for a second, just a hot second, is that when you every every people have a common language language uh evolves okay so you have like that proper type of language and then you have what's known as pigeon people are going to take a language and they're going to develop their own systems of communications within cultures okay and then you may have that highbrow type of language so a a good example outside of blackness are, are bostonians yeah okay so you have the, oh God, I keep forgetting the name. You have like the Brahmin type of Irish accented, Bostonian accent. Mm-hmm. And then you have like that, you know, like Rochester, yeah. <laughs> Bostonian, you know, uh, 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 Matt Damon did it, did it in uh, the movie. Um, oh God. Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting. Yes. Yeah. So that type of thing. So you have like that proper Bostonian Irish American accent. Like the Kennedys, like the Kennedys type, and then you have like that the the Rochester working class, uh, Bostonian uh, accent in English, and 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 the the there there are subtle differences in the words that they use. Okay, yeah, and that's fine. When it comes to quote unquote, that's actually quote unquote ghetto language because sure. it's the language of the working class. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But the ghetto language that they, that it's always now completely attributed to blackness and always means that it's bad. Yeah. Okay. And no one wants to appreciate that. You know, first of all, what are you talking about? Because there are, there is all kinds of levels to African-American vernacular. Mm-hmm. And so my quote unquote basic language. Okay. I remember one time I was, I was talking to Nashi Jackson who's down in Atlanta mm-hmm. and I got a little bit emotional. And yeah. so he's like, why well, I hear that New York accent? <laughs> why, do I hear, why do I hear the New York? <laughs> because I'm a New Yorker, but you know, and, and there's other New Yorkers that have that across the board, across ethnicities and, and, and races. So it's just like, but it's like when it's a, a, a black skin, then yeah. all of a sudden it's lower class, it's it's bad, and because it's black people are saying it's just like when the uh British imam who gave a half fake apology to him. Yeah, let's get uh, into him. Sat sat and he said this was back a couple of years ago and he said, Let's not talk like the blacks, let's not talk like black people, let's speak properly. Yeah. That's what he said. Inferring automatically that black people don't speak properly. Right. And that, you know, we don't have a dynamic language where we code switch all of the time. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like, like that Chris Rock, you know, like regular talking and then job interview. Right. <laughs> like that type of thing. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, you, you would be insulted because, once again, it's feeding into this whole idea of disparaging and degrading blackness and especially African-Americanness. You know, as quiet as it's kept. The reality is that African diaspora, there are a lot of challenges when it comes to uh, wanting to disassociate themselves with African Americans mm-hmm. culturally. And I'm not talking about this, you know, this is my culture, this is what I am, this is who I am. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when it comes to uh, being accepted by whiteness at mm-hmm. varying levels to say, I am not that African American, I'm not that black person that comes from enslavement 
I come from something different. Even though, you know, the Caribbeans do it, okay? Haitians have done it. Uh, Jamaicans have done it. And the African diaspora, they do it too. You know, they will say, I'm not the N-word. I'm Nigerian. I'm this, I'm that. So that's something that occurs. And, and, and what is also occurring in those countries and in those areas, there's stereotypes about African-Americans that are peripherated into those cultures, just like every other culture. And so when they come here, all right, they will automatically embrace those stereotypes. And it takes resistance. It takes resistance when you're indoctrinated, when you hear and you see, and it still takes resistance. So of course it's going to take resistance. But if you don't resist, then you're going to say all kinds of stuff. Sooner or later, a way of breaking down uh, uh, and, and degrading African-Americans will come from someone, even other African-Americans. Well, you have a, a, a fairly broad um, social group, right? Comprised of uh, multiple uh, different ethnicities, right? And backgrounds. Who, me? Yeah, you. Yes, I do. Yeah, I, uh, do. <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> I do. I, no, I don't. Um, I was brought up in isolated, in, 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 in first in isolated whiteness, okay? Mm -hmm. And that was horrible, okay? I was just fortunate that um, my family embraces their blackness and their melanin. <laughs> so I never felt ashamed about it. But no, I, I bring that, that up. I bring that up because the attitudes of people who are outside of the African-American experience have obviously, mm -hmm. you have obviously helped to shape their opinion um, and, and their, their perception no. of what, oh, you have not. You have not had I any impact not. on that. I've had impact as far as myself and so this is another thing another uh misconception that people have all mm. right because of the way that uh racism bigotry intolerance work mm. is that people are perfectly capable of looking at me yeah and seeing an african-american muslim woman and making concessions about stereotypes when it comes to me exceptionalism but that does okay. not mean that they're going to do it with every african-american muslim woman or every African-American or every Muslim, you know? And so that's the, the, that's the reason why a lot of the, um, you know, get to know a Muslim things don't work because you're, you're I mean, it, it can be helpful on mm -hmm. an individual level. Okay, I'm not trying to disparage people's, wh whatever it is that people want to think that they can do to try to, to stem the tide of Islamophobia because it is a huge one and it's very, very deadly. Yeah. And but it that helps on the individual level. It does not mean that they're not going they're they're, they're going to be able to see past you mm -hmm. and into sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. There's no guarantee that that's going to happen. They have to now go and turn around and read and research and see how it is that the structure that creates these things how that works. Okay? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've gotten you speak so well. <laughs> So many times, right? You know why? Because they're still embracing those stereotypes when it comes to African Americans. And we've had black a black president. We've had African American women congresswomen, and we've had African American CEOs and everything like that. I mean, the president of Disney right now is an African American woman, and I'll still get well. You speak so well because but, that's not the way that the system works. But don't we, to some degree, as Muslims, buy into? Um, this historical narrative 
-hmm. of Islam spreading because of this one-on-one interaction, uh, because of these relationships. You know, people talk about, you know, the the trading culture. Um, They found Muslims to have great character and, Mm -hmm. and it softened them towards Islam. And it was, it, I mean, is, is that not in itself kind of an, uh, an example of individual exceptionalism? Well, I think it's an example of what happens on the ground and then the, then the overarching systems that are take social systems that are taking place. I mean, you can make inroads with people. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. I mean, we, we, we're supposed to give dower. Right. All right. We're supposed to set a good example. You know, um, we're very human and a lot of times we don't. <laughs> but when we do, it's a great thing. But that doesn't mean that it's going to impact the system itself. I mean, when you think about the moguls, for instance, you know, people were converted when they when they came into and they and they um, uh, uh, took over Muslim societies. Yeah, there were some that converted, but it didn't really become an Islamic society under the Mughals until the Mughal leadership converted, and and, and that was the thing. So it, so then that's when you had it. So then the, you ended up with societies uh, in South Asia, like Afghanistan. So it, it was when the leadership really started to convert. All right, even in the time of Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu yeah, you had individual conversions and everything like that. But what happened when, when the leaders of Medina went and, and, and converted and said, "Come to Medina," that was profound. That was impactful. That was some real. That was some real traction and some system changes. And so right. I'm not saying don't have the masjids or anything like that, but that's not the only key to affecting change. Okay, it really, it just right, really right. isn't. Okay, and so people have to then go and learn. So if you have the tease and people have the tease, like, oh yeah, you're kind of cool as a Muslim. Tell me a little more, and then now let me go and see what it is. Look, look at what my my culture is saying about Muslims and what's really going on globally. What's really going on in the society that then you start to see uh, individuals who make shifts, make um, shifts in their mindset that way so you that's what? what this young lady has think, to do this young lady has to learn more I, oops i made a mistake and, <laughs> i use <laughs> i use white yeah. supremacist language on on, on african mm-hmm. on an african-american person and where is that coming from that's what i have to learn i have to learn right. where that comes from and how to resist it and i would even say that those individual associations mm-hmm. Um, that that cross ethnicities and religions yeah. and all of that, um, <clears throat> that they become truly effective when you have situations like this video, where um, you know you have this group of young. Uh, I think one of them was not an Asian, but it seemed I know that at least two of them were Amber and the, the, yeah, the yeah, other man. young fellow that yeah. spoke, right? But you have. Um, environments where because of that uh either sensitizing awareness whatever you want to call it come to come to light and they're actually able to implement that right on the spot right amongst each other right because all change real change comes from Mm -hmm. within so i think yeah they, they definitely can work hand in hand um but we gotta get so yeah so we say her her apology 
Yeah, it was another apology you know, that wasn't it's cool. so great. <laughs> yeah, but you know, and I can't, I can't really knock it okay. too much. I refuse I, I, to I watch can't. it. I'll... I refuse to watch it because, quite honestly, after the litany. Oh no no no! You're talking, talking about, about okay you, okay you oh, going to the next one? Going... No, I was just I oh, was okay. just kind of wrapping that one up. Okay. But... <laughs> okay, so this other apology, <laughs> right? This other apology, and this is a brother that I had not heard not of, heard but uh, and I want to I want to also just kind of you know uh, preface that also add to that that it's a whole lot of people I have not heard of, so that doesn't really mean anything uh, in and of itself, but. This particular uh, imam, he made some comments. I don't know if this was during um, a khutbah. It was. Okay, so he said something to the effect, and we've been trying to find the audio for it, but it has been snatched down. I know somebody has it, right? Because once you put it out there, it's in the the internet universe. I I started to watch the whole video, the whole khutbah, and I couldn't stomach it. I just got to be honest, full disclosure, because the khutbah was actually about polygamy and why is polygamy necessary and he says some really misogynistic things so i didn't get to the african-american right. thing i did um see the video up quite a bit on my facebook because there were muslims from varying backgrounds not just african-americans who did not appreciate it i think what happened was someone picked it up on youtube because this football was not new and but people's reaction to it is now new because someone picked it up on YouTube, listened to it, and was like, what? <laughs> what did he just say? Let me play. Let me, you know, you click the little button to go back 10 seconds. <laughs> right. And so, so all of a sudden, the, you was like, the notice the man did not just come out of his mouth about African-Americans and how most African-Americans don't know their father. <laughs> and yeah, they're, they're the products of one-night stands. And they're the products of one-night stands. And this is not an African-American. Right. If it was an African-American, it'd be a whole other set of problems that he would have. Mm. But, you know, it, so again, someone reaching in with stereotypes from the culture, embracing those stereotypes and using them on his platform. Because now, this is during Juma, during a chutbah. So all of those people, whoever had those those stereotypes, he's just reinforced them on the minbar. Okay? <laughs> on the minbar. Yeah. Which is yeah. tragic in and of itself. So word got around, all right, that he said this. I don't know why people ignored the misogynistic stuff, but okay, let's leave it alone. (laughs) So (laughs) word got around, and he apologized, okay? Now, you listen to the apology, because I refuse to listen to the apology. I actually commented on Facebook. I was like, I'm not going to apologize, but let me guess. There's been a litany Mm. of these types of apologies. It, uh, f- uh, among Amer- among Muslims globally, like I mentioned that imam who said, don't talk black, let's speak properly, you know? And so usually right. what happens is like, I'm sorry if I offended you, all right? I am an, I am a scholar, I read Quran. Just throw throw and, that out. This all, throw as it soon out. as you, you know, just, you know, PSA to all public figures, whether you're in popular culture, scholarship inside or outside of Muslim culture, a politician or anything like that. Never, ever, ever, ever <laughs> begin an apology with, I'm sorry if I insulted you. Yeah. Because the, re- yeah. the the thing that you're saying is that what I said was not insulting. It's just that you took it wrong. Right. It's just that you took it yeah. wrong. And guess what? That's, yeah. that's not right. 
Okay, so and you are and, and, and that again is just another approach coming from the white supremacist structure. We learn this language all the time. That's why we inflict microaggressions on each other because <laughs> we learned mm. it. And so never start with that. And so I didn't even know he started with that. I just said, let me guess. <laughs> and yep. put it on there. And so yeah. I was just like, yeah, I can't. I, 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 I'm tired of watching those photos. Well, you know, what he started with, he started with um, something to, uh, to the effect of, you know, uh, we all make mistakes. The, the, uh, the sons of Adam will, will err, and I am I'm one of those. Person. And I just slipped up. Yeah. I'm a good yeah. person. I just but, slipped up. Okay. What's wrong with that? Yeah, but see, that's not accountability. Yeah, yeah. That's not accountability. Well, you know, one of the examples that we have from the prophet Paul is one, and 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 you know, I I constantly bring it up, and because I'm constantly dissecting it, because I'm constantly seeing how it applies in different ways. It's like the way he handled things. Okay. And so it's with Abu Dar and Bilal, very famous popular hadith about racism. Abu Dar was black, by the way. So, yeah. And um, he insulted Bilal. Okay. Oh, you son of a black mother. Like a, having a black mother is a yeah. bad thing. And so Bilal mm -hmm. went to the prophet, not happy. Okay. So the first thing that he did was he went to talk to Abu Dar about the insult. Okay, he didn't even try to deflect it from Bilal. He went to talk to Abu Dhar and he told Abu Dhar, you, have, you still have some ignorance in here. Okay, he didn't say, I, I'm sure you didn't mean it that way. Um, uh, let's sit and talk about it for a second. Bilal, come here because you really not, you need to kind of understand where he's coming from. No, he said straight up, you're a mess. Yeah. <laughs> what you said was messy. What you said was messy and was a problem. And so what do I, what did Abu Bar Abu Dar do is he apologized and he said, step on my head, <laughs> put your foot on my head right. because it, it wasn't like, oh, well, you know, ah, come on, black, we boys, you know, I didn't mean that you're black. I'm black. <laughs> it's like, mm -hmm. No, you insulted him and you need to apologize for that. And that's what he did. He apologized. He didn't try to deflect to who he is as a person. And, and that's a natural human thing you want to do that because you want to not be an insulting person and a bad person and a person that you know has reached in from the uh the arsenal of white supremacy and utilized and weaponized language against people uh but who has the power who has the whose voice carries enough weight when uh when when introduced into a conversation to tell somebody that what you said is a reflection of a deficiency that you have. What you said is directly tied to, mm -hmm. you know, a matter within your own heart that you need to address. And maybe you were yeah. not aware of it, but you saying these things because you wasn't drunk, right? There's a, there's an old saying, <laughs> even when people, uh, you know, that, that are intoxicated, uh, uh, a friend told me years back, he said, um, what he said, a, Sober man, uh, what's it? A drunk man's words are sober man's thoughts, right? So even then, you don't really get a pass for anything you say. These are things that are coming out of you. But wh whose voice, when brought into these uh, conversations, right, to these individuals that pop off and say some way out uh, stuff, 
really are going to affect these people in such a way where they really do examine themselves and not just go to the default. Eh, you know, if you if you was offended, I'm sorry. Well, you know, if you well, was the offended. problem is this. OK, if they're fortunate enough to have someone. OK, uh, close enough to them to or they're ready to listen to people when the people when the impact that come to you mad. OK, they're right. going to be mad. They're not going to be sweet about it. OK, because, you know, yeah. a lot of times this language is not only dismissive. OK, it reinforces the vulnerability of black lives. OK, this yeah. girl say that this man eating a sandwich on us on our train platform, he deserves to get handcuffed by police mm -hmm. is egregious. And it reinforces this idea that whatever little thing black people do, the automatic response should be taking away their liberty. Okay. So yeah. there's some grave impact when it comes to that. The when it when you're standing at a member and you're saying that all, which I find ironic because if if Trump says all Muslims, Muslims are in the uproar, but you can say all African-Americans are this or that, all right, you're disseminating a message that turns around and, and impacts African-American lives, okay? Their ability to interact yeah. with the very people that you're talking to, okay? This went out on YouTube with hundred with thousands of hits, all right? That you, people mm -hmm. are taking that and they're embracing that. So there's a huge impact on it. So when you when they come to you mad, be ready to listen to them. And if you're not ready to listen to them, then you're still part of the problem. And if you're fortunate yeah. enough to have someone that'll say, listen, dude, you messed up. This is what you need to say, okay? And you turn around and instead of going right into your emotions, okay? You're like, listen, I right. need to say the right thing. Let me learn the right thing to say. I have seen that. There was an imam uh, in Tampa. I can't remember his name. This happened uh, around Black History Month. Last Black History Month it happened. And he was mm -hmm. brought onto a Christian show. All right. And he sat and he was not, he's not Black or African American. He's South Asian. And he was brought onto a Christian show. And the white Christian man asked this South Asian Muslim, uh, is Black History Month important to Muslims? Okay. And he did not say, I don't know. He actually was very disparaging about it. And there's a Tampa group of Black Muslims, African American Muslims. They were not, they did not take kindly to it at all. <laughs> and they approached him about it. Like they approached him. They were not playing games at all. And he issued an apology. And his, his apology was well toned. And when I read the apology, because he said, I'm sorry. The words I used were insulting. They were dismissive. I should not have been there. It's not my culture. I should have sent that told someone yeah. else to go, sent, sent them to somebody else, or just say, I don't know. Like he was, like he said, like it was, it was very well told. If we had more of that, we'd be, we would be yeah, so much like, better off. Yeah, someone helped him. I mean, across the board. Get the help that you need because if you're saying stuff like that, then you definitely don't know, all right? Not saying that you can't slip up. Allies slip up all the time. And they should know yeah. the proper way of 
engaging in accountability because that's what the Quran, that's what Allah talks about. That's what happened with Abu Dhar. He was ready to face his accountability and be held accountable for what he said and not backpedal, not try to be like, I'm not a bad person. No one's caring about how good a person or bad person you are right now. We're, we're more concerned about the impact and the trauma that your words have inflicted on people. And that's what you need to be focused on right now too. So if we have more and more <clears throat> people, leaders, scholars, people in popular culture who did that, all right, then it would be less of a problem. It would it, it, at least, and then turn around and go and learn so that they don't do it again. That they don't do it again. And when they do it again, they know how to apologize. Because we're human beings, we'll mess up. Yeah. We'll all mess up. See, the clapback, the, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But the, the clapback is, is unpredictable and it is uh, it can be quite yeah. brutal. And I saw some of the responses. Uh, as a matter of fact, one response was, um, it was written, but I mean, it may as well have been, um, I don't know, you know, it, it was it was some four letter yeah. words in it. It was, um, yeah. uh, it, it was pretty, it was pretty, uh, the clap pretty back brutal. To what? And to his uh, oh, statement, yeah. well, to because you're talking about hurt people. You're talking about hurt people. Yeah, and see, you know. I sit in a kind of a strange, I don't want to say strange, but um, I, I recognize, first of all, the potential damage that can be done when you have somebody speaking from that sacred yeah. space, right? You're in the office of yeah. the prophet, uh, peace and prayers oh, be upon him. So what you say can be taken without examination by some mm -hmm. people and they're going to run with it and think that, you know, this is, this is what it is. Um, but, there's also the part of me that I got to I have to push back against. Right. And not just dismiss those types of uh, rantics, because, frankly, if that's how, you know, I care about those yeah. that care about me. If if you if this is how you see me then I really got no reason to uh, engage yeah. you. But I also see that there's some folly in that position as well especially when it comes to a diverse oh, yeah. Muslim community, Ma right? One where we don't all have the same voices. Yeah. So those anti-African-American, uh, anti-Black sentiments that you have and that you espouse from the minbar um, could find their way into positions of power, greater positions or further positions of power and oh, influence. Yeah. Or uh, reinforce so, what's there already. Or reinforce what they're doing. Yeah, so 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 we have a responsibility to respond to those uh, to those things. Yeah. Um, but man, you know these people that, that are popping off at the mouth like this for me, um, I think it really just it does show that there is something in the heart that needs to be addressed, and the apology that that the bro the brother gave, it was just so lightweight, yeah. right? It was so lightweight and so to me unaware of the damage the the, the poten potential damage and the damage that he did do do you um, think it was it's like man go I, back to do square you think one it was reflective oftentimes it, I, I find that they're reflective of the ignorance of the individual when it comes to situations like this and that's one of the things that i find Absolutely. very tragic about Absolutely. modern islamic scholarship in the united states and globally yeah. Because you're dealing with structures that are oppressing Muslim people and you are you you're a product of it. 
I'm a product of a white supremacist culture. If I said that I wasn't, right. I'd be a liar. <laughs> white blanket, don't have mm-hmm. me on the show anymore. I'm definitely a product of it. <laughs> I was brought up and it. I was sa- it was saturated. I, I was saturated in it and I was impacted by it at the same time. So I'm definitely mm-hmm. a product. So if I don't learn, okay, how to purge as much of it as possible and to resist as much of it as possible that's within me, then I'm not doing anyone a service, okay? Um, Muslim leaders, imams and scholars do the, in America especially, do the ummah a huge disservice, okay? Because first Mm -hmm. of all, they're going overseas and they're learning about Islam, okay? In racist structures, in racist institutions, okay? Al-Azhar is a racist institution. Okay, because the scholarship was racist. Okay, they said some, you know, scholars have said some racist and misogynistic things. Okay, and there's nothing in the learning that pushes back against it. Okay, so you can read these works, but there's also then no real examination of how racism, misogyny, patriarchy have impacted Islamic scholarship. And then the broader society as well. So then they go, some of them internalize that anti-blackness, that racism, that misogyny. And then they come over here and they climb the minbar and they spew it out on us. And then they get mad, okay, when a Layla Abdullah or Margaret Aziza or Donna Austin or Shadid Muhammad or uh, Marcus Allgood or any man talk out means stand up and say, look, fool. <laughs> we have got that from, we get that from out here. We know it. If it looks like a duck, it smells, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a racist duck. <laughs> okay. And right. you can try to sugarcoat it with as much Arabic as you want, but we can identify it and we see it. You need to work on that. You need to fix that. Okay. And that's, and they don't. They're not doing that. There are very few of them that do. But that's also, but that's also, I think, in large part reflective of coming to grips with uh, those who, with, uh, say, white people who have negative views mm-hmm. towards blacks or anybody that's not yeah. white, right? Coming to grips that you have a unhealthy mm-hmm. view, that you are on the wrong side. Yeah. Um, that's a very difficult and a humbling thing for, 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 for people to do. And most people are going to be entrenched, further entrenched in their position. So it's not just about um, telling folks that they're yeah. on the wrong side. It is, it is much more about people feeling like they can admit to being in the wrong space yeah. um, and helping them move you know, into a healthy space and that they're not going to be discarded right they're not going to be that's a tough um thing. that's a tough thing well, yeah it's a very all, tough thing i'm, right? I'm kind of not giving muslims a pass in in certain ways and you know um yeah i'm trying to come from a space of rahma but also yeah. from the example of our prophet Islam, and the hadiah from allah is that we're supposed to have blameworthy nafs we're supposed to be sitting back and reflecting 
quick translation moment. Uh, Radio Islam family, for those of you who uh, are not familiar with the terminology, Rahmah, we're talking about mercy and the hadaya, the uh, guidance. I'm sorry. Please, please proceed. And so and so <laughs> I, I, we're supposed to have these blameworthy selves, okay? Yes. When we sit back and we reflect on the impact of what we say and what we do, what it has on people and our relationship with the law. Because what it has on, what the impact it has on people it impacts our relationship with the law. All right. So I would encourage Muslims, period, but especially Muslim leadership uh, with these huge platforms to take great care in that. Yeah, I, I, I would automatically be defensive. I'm saying I would automatically be defensive. I'm defensive all the time. (laughs) And when you're there and, and, and especially in the culture of putting you on that member on that pedestal where everything you say and do is supposed to be impalable. You're not popes. Okay. You know, the, the greatest scholars would say, I don't know. And Imam Malik would say, I don't know (laughs) all the time. So it's like, Learn how to, how these systems work. And then if you say something that impacts people, learn how to be accountable for it. Okay. No one's really interested in how good a person you are. They're really at that time interested in the pain that you inflicted. And in order to keep, to safeguard your relationship with the law, just apologize properly and move on. Guess what's going to happen? Some people may say, okay, he apologized, that's all right. Some people may say, no, I'm still mad. But that's what happens when you hurt people. There's no guarantee that because you hurt someone, they'll be all good. You know, sometimes they won't be all good. Sometimes, to this day, there's a there's a Muslim scholar. I can't, I can't listen to him. Because of the things he said that have impacted me. I, I just can't listen to him. And And I remember when someone said, but you know what he says may be right. I was like, I can't take that chance. There's too many. There are there are too many other avenues of gaining Islamic knowledge and spiritual upliftment that I don't want to risk the chance of being hurt by something cavalier that this person said. All right. So All right. you cannot gauge how people once you hurt people how they're going to react, how they're going to respond. But what you can, what you do have control over is how you apologize to them and how you try to make corrective, corrective action. Stay, step away from your ego. Okay. We all need to do that and just say, I'm sorry. What I said was wrong. I'll learn better and I'll do better. And there, there are organizations like Muslim Anti-Racism Collaborative that actually do have training when it comes to this and, and, and compassionate communication and everything like that. So, yeah. I think it's in addition to the admission that what I said was, was wrong, I think there's to be, there has to be enough humility to ask the question, tell me what I said was wrong. <laughs> tell me why I said. Okay, really, you don't think a lot I, of I mean, times people are like, this is what you said was wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you about yourself I mean, right now. <laughs> Well, see, sometimes the explanation, the explanation behind mm-hmm. the, the anger uh, or hurt does not immediately come out. It, it just may just come out in, um, in a dismissive yeah. statement. It may come out in, you know, somebody walking away yeah. from you. 
you know, cussing or whatever, but you don't really get to hear what it was that you said and 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 why that thing struck a particular yeah. chord, right? So well, they need to just tell somebody, hey, you wrong. They need consultants. They no, what I think it shows, it, it like we talk about cultural sensitivity and multicultural yeah. sensitivity, because when we got these spaces where we have congregations that are multi uh, multicultural, multi ethnic, um, these are things that you need to think about before you just get up there and start talking. Um, but for me, one of the things that I think is important is to step away from this idea of in, enduring somebody else's oppression uh, and their dismissiveness or their um, uh, in any type of negativity that they have that's aimed towards yeah. you or, or leaves you feeling less than. And somehow by staying in that space, it brings you closer to oh, Allah no. or somehow that Allah uh, uh, gives, gives you favor for fulfilling an obligation. Uh, in the presence of something that really takes you out of yeah. that space. And I think that's a damaging perspective. It's really damaging. And it takes us really uh, takes us back to that type of uh, engagement that we had uh, on the plantations with Christianity yeah. and in doing the lash. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So um, I think I think that's really important because I know if I'm in mm -hmm. that space and we kind of go back into that, you know, what what would you do if you was there? But if I'm in that space, I can honestly say, if I hear those types of sentiments, those words coming out of the uh, Khatib's uh, mouth, then I'm getting mm -hmm. up. I'm making, <laughs> I'm off for my salat, and I'm gonna get up and I'm walking out, right? And if I can, I may address that uh, individual later on. But I'm not standing in there, and I'm not, I'm not praying behind. Uh, somebody who is diseased in that way. We are all yeah. imperfect, but if, but um, that's my line. Yeah, well, be that's my line in the same. What is depending on what is being said? Like I said, it really does impact people's lives, and it can impact your faith. Uh, I went through a huge yeah. crisis of faith early on because I really thought that Muslims were egalitarian people, <laughs> and it actually would not hold the color of my hold me uh uh hold the color of my skin as a deficit and then the, then the reality just kind of smacked me knocked me down picked me up and smacked me again just in case <laughs> i forget so it, it is a matter of like these are harsh words they may not sound harsh but they're harsh words i mean we're so angry when someone uh uses vulgarity why are we not as angry when they use words that adversely affect the lives of their Muslim brethren? Why aren't we? We get mad at Trump all the time for some things that he says, but any man can climb the minbar and say things and go unchecked for months. This was a minute that this 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 was out, and right. you know, he could stand at, at at international conferences and go unchecked, and and even have people cape for him. So it's just like, how is it that, you know, we're mad because someone that is hurt drops an F-bomb. We don't have the same right. anger at what the person says that hurt the person in the first place. We got to get our priorities together when it comes to that. And I do think we all, I agree. And I think we also have to be a little um, 
not as fragile. And I don't and I don't use uh, fragile in a sense of uh, to say that we should not be offended. But I think at this stage of the game, with everything that 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 has happened to us that we have gone through to be at this space we are now. We should not lose our minds when somebody actually I mean, what he said was jacked up, but. It's it's not the point where I'm gonna have a, a yeah. meltdown because he said it. It's like okay, you yeah. you messed up, so I'm gonna yeah. check you. I'm not praying yeah. behind you. I'm gonna check you, and I'm gonna give you the benefit of not the benefit of the doubt, but the benefit of of uh, believing that your intention is to do right. And if your intention is to do right, hopefully you're gonna hear what I have to say and respond okay. to it. Yeah. Uh, in a way that allows you to correct yourself, yeah. admit what you have done, you know, in its totality, not to try to, you know, if I if I offended you, yeah. none of that nonsense, right? Um, and then for us to be able to grow, right? But I think we we do have to exhibit um, an, a level of an, an awareness, kind of like you said, you grew up, I grew up in a white, impacted by white mm-hmm. supremacy. So to understand that most folks that come here are coming here subconsciously or consciously looking at the African-American, indigenous Mm African-American here as being less than, as Mm -hmm. being deficient in some shape, form, or fashion. And that they may mean well, but at some point they may go off the rails and it's it's that point we help them to to actually become better because we're willing to, we're strong enough because we've gone through everything that this society had to throw at us. Yeah. Everything. So um, I'm not going, I'm not going to run away from the conversation, but I'm not going to endure anybody's nonsense yeah. either. Right. And, and, and also, you know, closing to realize that we have uh, hopefully an opportunity to reverse some of that, that negativity and that that poison of white supremacy that has impacted yeah. us here. We hopefully have Islam hopefully can be that platform, that bridge that allows us to uh, point the stuff out, fix it and become stronger, uh, um, you know, as, as, as a community, as, in, yeah. as individuals. But that don't happen if we're not willing to have those difficult conversations and just kind of fall apart. Well, I, and, and, uh, on behalf disperse. of the falling apart people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Come on. You, I agree with you. Okay. Mm-hmm. There is a challenge to that. And the challenge yeah. is that hearing this stuff so much, it minimizes your ability to deal with it. Um, I don't want to say more effectively because you being mad can be effective, <laughs> but yeah. it, 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 you just get tired and you're just like, God, you're a jerk. <laughs> I can't, yeah. you know, sometimes I, and I, and I'll actually put it on my post. I say, I cannot be academic or scholarly about this at all <laughs> because my emotions are so much when it comes to this specific thing that I just can't be that. And so I 
we need to learn on the side of the impacted to utilize the resilience that our heritage has given us because that comes from a loss okay and so you know we have a very resilient experience and heritage we'd be dead if we didn't and we need to learn to how to utilize that but it becomes hard because you get it from a lot of different angles because when i'll give myself as an example that imam this this entertainer okay was two of many okay in the past five days so you get kind of tired i i mean i was scrolling down my facebook page and it was some some muslim a, a black muslim guy and i think he's african-american i can't say 100 percent for sure that was that was telling the same misogynoir uh uh, uh hatred of black women african-american women in particular calling us masculine and what man would want them and all of that stuff. This is coming straight from the heart of my culture. Okay. And on top of the imam saying this general, this generalized nonsense uh, about African-Americans on top of now this Asian American woman deciding to dehumanize uh, an African-American man and, and, and further imperil all african-american men i'm not being I'm, that's not hyperbole that's reality okay so it's like on top of that on top of that on top of that so sometimes you may be getting he may be getting uh shots because you now you're one of many you're part of the pylon and so i'm gonna now react and respond the way that i'm gonna react and respond you know so that we need to kind of draw on the resilience more but it's a hard thing because it's coming from all of these social intersections, you know, and it's, it, it becomes draining. And you're just like, like, bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Um, I, I agree with that as well. And I think that there is a, there's a, there's a, there's a dividing line in the response. There is the layperson's response. Uh, and then there is the response of those who have platforms. Mm. Right. Um, and, and it's difficult because folks that, that have platforms, big or small, uh, there is a responsibility. And, and this this kind of some folks may say that, well, I didn't sign up for this. Well, if you got the platform, <laughs> then you have it. You have the you responsibility. Do. You don't you do. get to you don't get to respond like yeah. Joe Blow. Yeah. You don't get to. Joe Blow may be able to just walk walk around, just forget all y'all, <laughs> cussing y'all out, <laughs> you know, and that's it. But those those of us, and I'm gonna be very clear on this, right? Those of us, yourself, myself, and, and and many others, yes, yourself as well. But I right? decided you know on this. this. <laughs> <laughs> you, but but you're in it, but you're in it. Um, have a responsibility to not just allow the hurt of the moment to define um, the 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 direction of tomorrow, right? Have a responsibility to say that this person right here, he you know, like I said, 
he says some jacked up stuff and we need to pull his coat and and maybe pull it around his throat right really him this cat up for a minute and 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 talk to him so he understands the gravity of the situation but more importantly let's kind of go back to attach this to uh those millennials that were talking and that was that that young asian man who he was the one who spoke up and says hey you know what basically pumpy breaks uh they've had a different experience and we need to check ourselves before we get to talking about how we would respond because we don't know anything about yeah. that life right and what we do know about it should should at least put us on the side of the uh on the side of the, yeah. the victim on the side of african americans those who've endured these injustices right so the same goes for this multicultural multi-ethnic muslim community that we have or communities that we have that come into uh uh into conversation with one another right as we talk about trying to uh, uh build a some sense of connectivity yeah. that those people from particular communities in their leadership they have a responsibility somebody from from i don't know what this brother's eth eth uh, ethnicity is or where in particular he comes from uh, but the cultural sensitivity and the capital to be able to pull his coat I believe he's somali also i believe somali he's not so so if if, if yeah, he happens somali. to be somali then we're saying he's somali, he's somali our... and guess what a lot of somalians did they tell it african-american muscles well he apologized you need to accept it like danger will robinson you can't be telling him. <laughs> but that's a whole so, other but thing you know you know my response and honestly i i feel like the responsibility is that the you know to to work with that sense of mercy right but not to be not to be foolish yeah. Right. So, all right. This is how y'all feel. Then really, I got no reason to, to associate with you. Right. Because I already understand that you're not willing to see anything beyond your own nose. So um, and, and that and that does not detract or take away, I think, in, in any way from saying that uh, that folks with platforms, folks in leadership positions, ability to mm -hmm. influence uh, the way we see our community that they have a greater responsibility, but that responsibility does not mean that you have to sit around and engage folks that are going to be dismissive of your legitimate gripes. Yeah. Well, I so, think that it's important right, to I mean, learn how, how these things work. I think that we definitely need in, in uh, American Muslim culture all raw and in black Muslim culture, which is an expanse of ethnicities and backgrounds, African-Americans yeah. are, American uh, native born people who have heritages that tie back to the enslavement of Africans in America. If you, if your parents right. came here from Nigeria, your grandparents came here from Nigeria, you are not African American. You're black American, but you're not African American. It's a very specific culture. And we need to have those hard conversations, okay, between what happens because yeah. you know what? Guess what? When uh, uh, African diaspora people, came here, African-Americans gave them a hard time. <laughs> it was an immigrant really? culture. Every immigrant culture That's gets true. a hard time. Uh, just, it was the Tarzan. Yeah, it, 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 we got 
got we got uh, uh, stereotypes about African diaspora people as well. You know, they live in huts. Yeah. They're starving to death and stuff like that. So it's just like we have to per, we have to resist those as well. And but we need to have those hard conversations. We need across the board. And when we slip up and we mess up, because that's what yeah. happens with true allyship. That's what you're gonna do. You're gonna be an Abu Dhar, <laughs> okay? Yeah. To learn yeah. how to be accountable to apologize. And then let's let's once again bring back in uh, white supremacy into the conversation for both whether we are from the African uh, diaspora and we wind up here or whether we are indigenous African-American that, you know, have uh, whose descendants have gone through uh, the brutalities uh, of uh, of chattel slavery to understand that our perception of one another has never been determined from within it has always been a perception that has been given yeah. to us so whether uh you know like i said the tarzan effect you know you look at uh tarzan is this this white man in the in the jungle and all of the the mm -hmm. natives right are backward yeah. and he could beat them all uh, naked savages right and he could beat them all <laughs> right so we had this Everybody we had this negative view of man. africa the apes love him. <laughs> yeah and and what are they hearing over in Africa about us here? And jiving, shuffling, that look at you, you can't lazy. get any success or anything like that. And even the subtleties yeah. of the white supremacist structure in the way that it keeps blacks in the society at each other's throats, okay? Privileging, privileging mm -hmm. some over the others. Yeah, well, yeah, no, because you're right. not that regular black black. You know, you're this instead. So right. we're gonna do this for you. We're gonna do that for you, you know, so. Yeah, but we're not ready to have those hard conversations yet, are we? Are we ready to have those hard conversations? Yeah, well, I want to, <laughs> I, I want to, I, I guess I want to put a, a a button on this um, by asking a question for us to think about. Our organizations that allow us to have some connectivity. Yeah. This is a responsibility. This is where those organizations come in. We talk about having the difficult conversations. I mean, of course, you could have a masjid to masjid, having a, a conversation, a particular organization where they might bring it up as a topic. But I think those connecting yeah. organizations, like a maybe a CIOGC or a nationally, like a, what do we have? A, was it MANA? Was that one of those organizations? A Muslim American the uh, Alliance of North uh, America? Yeah, Muslim Alliance of North America. Any organization. Mm -hmm. That, uh, that 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 um, uh, puts itself in a position to have this kind of a big uh, tent type of a uh, you know feel to itself. That's where those conversations really need to to be had because it's got to be understood and yeah. agreed upon as a challenge to our. Community. We need leadership that is educated because without it we just have a bunch of good intentions and what will happen in that big tent is that you'll have the same problems just perforate and uh we we need people to really engage in the soul work and the reflection so that they can see their placement in all of this how it's impacting their relationship with allah how it is inhibiting their ability to engage in real fellowship with their Muslim brethren, and also fulfill the mandate from their creator to stem oppression 
and resist that wherever they find it. Mm. Okay, I, I could not uh, close that out any better. <laughs> all right, folks. So if you're going to mess up, and you will, we all will, let's have the humility to apologize uh, in a way that shows that we're taking responsibility for whatever offense that we have uh, inflicted upon uh, another individual or individuals and not minimize it with a if you were offended. Obviously, they were offended. Right. So let's take ownership of that and let's be better. Right. Let's be better. Uh, Layla, thank you so much. As always, this was a really good check in. Uh, and we still left some stuff yeah. on the table, right? Oh, we did not. We didn't really yeah, get it. Yeah, there was some we stuff. Gotta we got to do. We, we got to do Sharia Schultz book next time. Okay, inshallah. I am looking forward to it. All right, as I told you all earlier, you can get Layla's newest book, Sweet Love, Bitter Fruit, uh, book two in the Brothers-in-Law series, and it is available at Amazon. Uh, I am your host, Tariq Elamine, and I've got to get dual credit for producing on this one uh, to myself and Layla Abdullah-Pulos. Uh, our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. We remind you that the views expressed by the host and our guest are theirs and not to be taken as a representation of Salvage Foundation before we leave you as we greeted you we're going to remind you to subscribe rate review and share the podcast at radio slime usa wherever you get yours at and also make sure that you are following us on social media facebook twitter and instagram at radio islam usa you can also find me at imam Tariq alameen on all of those platforms as well now we leave you as we greeted you assalamu alaikum may the peace that only god can give be upon you Thank you.